Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 19, titled Lysergic Acid Diethylamide. Yup, they literally named this episode... (laughs) After LSD. <laughs> Honestly, that should tell you everything you need to know about the episode right there. Like, that, that that's it. We're done. We're, we're done. There's nothing I can add. There's nothing <laughs> else I can contribute that would tell you anything about this episode. We're done. We're done. That's the episode. That's it. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> that's all I can say. Uh, yeah, in all seriousness, I love this episode so much. It's so, it's so goddamn good. Of course, this is an episode 19, which means it's gonna be weird. (laughs) It's always weird. Brown Betty proved that very much so. And, uh, boy, do they outdo themselves this time around. Like, half the episode's animated, at least. Broyles gets super high. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a bizarre one. It's absolutely a bizarre one. So, uh, of course, this picks up about where the la- uh, where where two episodes ago left off. Because remember, the last episode was alternate universe. So, picks up about where that left off. Uh, William Bell is still inside Olivia's body. Uh, he's still overriding her consciousness, and they're trying to get him out. They're trying to find a way to transfer his consciousness to another. Host, uh, they try another brain dead dude. That doesn't work at all. And then Olivia starts having seizures, and it becomes very, very clear that William Bell's consciousness being there is the only thing keeping Olivia alive at that point uh, because something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. And now they are, they have a new plan to go inside Olivia's mind. I'll awesome drugs, pull her out, pull her to the surface, and also transfer William Bell's consciousness into a computer. Because why the hell not? So we go inside Olivia's brain. We have this great moment where Peter's super high. <laughs> he like waves his hand over Broyles' head and is like, You're bald. I think he's an observer. <laughs> They go inside Olivia's mind, and they root around for a bit. Uh, A bunch of subconscious constructs, a bunch of people, like, just start immediately coming after them, immediately coming after Peter and Walter. There's that one great moment when uh, Nina's there, a construct of Nina, and she tries to throw Walter down an elevator shaft. And they have to push the contract of Nina in. Uh, They meet up with William Bell. And at that point, the episode quite literally becomes a cartoon. Like, from this point on, everything inside Olivia's mind is animated. Why is it animated? Who knows? 
Do we care why? Not at all because it's great. Not at all because it's amazing. And what I love about this, not only did they make this a cartoon, but they made it an animation style that kind of fits with Olivia's mind. Because, like, this animation style, no one's going to say it's, like, the greatest animation on the planet. I don't, I think it's fair to say, like, this is not a plus plus animation by any stretch of the imagination. It is very stiff. It is very stilted. It is very rigid. Just like the person whose mind this is taking place in. So the fact that the animation here is, like, stiff and stilted and rigid and all that, like, just fits. Like, I I feel like if we were inside Walter's head, this would look like a Studio Ghibli movie. Like, but because we're in Olivia's head, she's not the most free-flowing person on the planet. She's not the most, uh... (laughs) She is not the most creative person on the planet. Like, she is a very rigid person. We have an animation style that looks very rigid. Uh, and, and I know there's gonna be, like, that one guy who can't have fun anywhere, and it's like... Uh, this isn't really good animation. I feel like this is so stiff, and I don't like that. <laughs> like, if you think about it from a character perspective, if you think about whose mind we're in, it works. It very, very much works. It also is just fun to see fringe characters as cartoons. Like, this this could be stick figures, and I wouldn't care because it's... Walter and Peter and William Bell and Olivia, like, all in cartoon form. And it's so fun to watch. Like, this could look like literal ass, and I'd still love it. Uh, <laughs> because it's just such a fun, weird conceit that that they handle so, so well. They can also do a lot of stuff in animation that, uh, that they couldn't do in live action. Uh, I know the story goes that at this point, Leonard Nimoy was semi-retired, and the only way they could bring him in was to do a voiceover and not like a not an on-screen performance. So I know that was a thing. Uh, of course, they have <laughs> they have John Noble doing feats of athleticism that they would not have been able to do in live action. <laughs> like all all respect for John Noble, but even back then, like he was getting up there in years. There are certain things that this story demanded of him that his body would not have been able to handle. Even Leonard Nimoy. They have Leonard Nimoy falling flat on his face in this episode, and it's just like, that dude is old as shit. I don't think he would have been able to do that in live action. (laughs) I don't think they could have, in good conscience, allowed him to do that in live action. We needed to preserve uh, the integrity of Leonard Nimoy. R.I.P. Uh... But it it's so good. It, I love the animated bits. It's so, so great. Also, <laughs> in addition to that, freaking Broyles accidentally doses himself with LSD and gets super high <laughs> and starts staring at licorice and talking about how he saw death and... <laughs> Whistling at cartoon birds. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. It's so good. It's the best. I'd 
did not know how much I needed to see Broyles High until I saw Broyles High. It was so good. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's how episode 19s go, man. That's how episode 19s go. That's just what happens. Look, if there's a 9 in the number of the episode preceded by a 1, someone's going to get high. Someone always gets high in episode 19s. <laughs> Most of the time it's Walter, but sometimes it's uh, it's Broyles. I also by the way love that like Astrid is just like the <laughs> The guide for everyone as they're all, like, super high. Like, when Peter's super high, she's like, Hey, hey, it's okay. Let's get you over here. Uh, and stick you inside Olivia's head. Stick you inside your girlfriend's mind. Uh, this is a totally normal thing to say. Uh, when Broyles gets high, she's like, Hey, hey, you doing good, buddy? You okay? Like, she's like the mom figure. While everyone's high on LSD. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love that Astrid's just like the, the calming mother figure to everyone while they're high. It's it's awesome. It's 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 fun to witness. It really, really is. Also, at one point there's zombies. Just like randomly. <laughs> I I almost completely skipped over that, but when, when they're on the roof of one of the Twin Towers and they're going into the Zeppelin, they're definitely being attacked by zombies. That's definitely a thing that happened. Like, they didn't flat out say, oh, look, they're zombies, but, like, they were definitely zombies. <laughs> oh, also, Olivia's stepfather is, like, the primary antagonist of this episode. He's the guy that keeps showing up over and over and over and over and over again. Throughout this entire thing. Always like one step behind. Like always just like there like this hanging specter. Uh, there's this really great Zeppelin sequence. Where they're there. Uh, William Bell has a great conversation with Walter. Saying like hey look. When we were kids we needed each other. Uh, to check and balance. Because we had way too much hubris. Now you have humility. The choices you make are going to be the right ones. Uh, you'll do good and everything will be fine. Just like, you know, setting Walter's mind at ease. Since, remember, this entire plotline started because he didn't think he could do the stuff he needed to with Peter and with the vacuum and with the other side and Walter Nitch. Uh He didn't think he could do all that stuff without William Bell. And William Bell's being like, no, no, you, you're good. You're, you're totally good. You don't need me at all. And then fuel line gets cut, Peter goes down to the engine room, and then gets attacked by this dude with an X on his shirt. We don't know who this guy is. He just attacks Peter with a flare gun, demands his name, when Peter says it's Peter Bishop, he's like, oh, nice to meet you. And then shoots a hole in the Zeppelin with the damn flare gun, jumps out with a parachute, and takes Walter with him. Like, Walter gets sucked out of the blimp and falls to his death, which then he comes back up for air, Inception style. Uh, you die, you just wake up. And then he just gets to work on the computer and all that. Uh, but 
Bell and Peter, they go to Jacksonville, they go to the military base. I love, by the way, how Peter knows Olivia well enough to go like, okay, we know Olivia's hiding, we know uh, she doesn't feel safe, unfortunately, in her own mind. Uh, she's hiding, uh, she doesn't want to be found. Peter, you know Olivia best, let's uh, guide to where she most likely is. And Peter's like, okay. We'll go to Jacksonville because she knows that's the last place anyone would expect to look for her. Uh, we'll go to the military base because she wonders what it's like to be normal. And she says the last time she felt that way was the day before she met uh, William and Walter at the Cortexa fan trial. She was on the military base in the home with the red door uh, with her real father at the time. Because those were the good old days when there wasn't a stepfather being super abusive all the time. Uh, and they go there. They find Olivia. And I love, 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 love this moment where Peter goes in. It's live action for a bit again. And she and he sees Olivia and is like, okay, yes, yes. Got Olivia back. Got Olivia back. Oh, no, you're not Olivia. And, like, kind of sees, like, uh, from her eyes that she's not the real Olivia. And we find out that Olivia was actually the construct of her younger self that was also in that house with this phony Olivia. And it took me until this viewing to really get it. But... God damn, this was Peter's final exam. <laughs> like, Peter has spent every episode since the switch ended trying to make up for the fact that he fell for Olivia's ruse, fell for another Olivia Dunham stepping in and taking over Olivia's life and pretending to be her and letting her seduce him. He has spent the rest of the show since that point trying to make up for this, trying to prove to Olivia that, like, he wanted to be with her, he has no feelings for faux Olivia, like, it was always for her, and trying to apologize for falling for this ruse, and, like, this moment when Peter is quite literally presented face-to-face -face with another fake Olivia, this time from Olivia's subconscious mind, setting up this maze-like structure in her head. And basically, she sets this up knowing that, like, the real Peter Bishop would, like, in full confidence that Peter would identify this is not the real Olivia, the real Olivia is that little girl right there. Because uh, apparently, like, people have been, quote-unquote, trying to trick her uh, ever since she got locked in the recesses of her own mind. And, like, it's just, it's so amazing that, like, they put in this little epilogue to that arc of sort of the fractured Olivia Peter aftermath of the Olivia Switched arc. They put this little epilogue in, and it's so great, and it's such a little button on that. Like, and Peter 
passes that final exam with flying colors. I'm amazed I didn't notice until this viewing that that's what that scene was. Like, that scene literally was Peter's final exam of whether or not he can distinguish between real Olivia and not real Olivia. It's great. It, it, it It's a really, really great moment. But... We then get this, like, big final confrontation, this big final chase. Uh, Peter jumps in front of a car to save Olivia and dies slash wakes up. Uh, so it's just Belle and little Olivia. Young Olivia, at one point, then, while William Bell's down, just turns around and goes like, Hey, stop! Like, I'm not afraid of you! Like, just tells the stepfather and the army of randos behind him to just stop. And... At that moment, she ages back up to her normal self. And it is at this moment that William Bell, like, realizes, okay, wait a minute. So I guess my original hypothesis of it has to take a couple weeks, it takes a couple weeks for all this, uh, for the original consciousness to go away. That was originally correct. But that relied on the original consciousness being safe in their own mind. But you're you. You've never felt safe. Like, by your nature, you are always on edge. By your nature, you are constantly running from something, whether it's literal or metaphorical in terms of past trauma or whatever. Uh, And so, that lack of safety made it so uh, that decay happened faster. Uh, And that made it so, like, so we had the seizures and we had the mass of people (laughs) coming after Peter and Walter. And then William Bell... Is like, okay, listen. I know we came here under the uh, under the mission statement of saving me in addition to you. Yeah, I have to leave. I'm not going back. I'm not going to survive this. The only way for you to survive is for me to die for real this time. And... He tells Olivia to tell Walter that he knew the dog wouldn't hunt. And we find out when she wakes up and she delivers this message to Walter that what that essentially meant was, like, this was a phrase William Bell would use when he knew something wouldn't work. When he knew something would not pan out the way it was supposed to. And so William Bell basically knew the entire time going into this that he would die. Like, he would not come back. In order for Olivia to survive, he would have to die himself again. And we lose William Bell all over again. Like, this pie-in-the-sky, soul magnets, bring William Bell back from the dead, has completely failed. In heartbreaking fashion. But we got Olivia back. And Olivia, like, after this, after this whole thing has, like, this renewed confidence, has, like, this renewed sense of self, like, 
I'm not really afraid anymore. I'm not really affected by all this trauma, traumatic stuff anymore. And we get this ending that is so, so utterly good. Where Peter finds this drawing of the man with the X on his shirt. And Peter's like, yeah, who is this? Who is this guy? You had him locked up in the Zeppelin. And Olivia's like, oh, I haven't really seen him before, but I'm pretty sure he's the guy who's going to kill me. And she says that so casually. She says that so casually as if it's not like a huge bombshell. And then that's where the episode ends. So yeah, there's that. That, that, That's a thing. God, I love, I love the 19 episodes. I, I love all the episode 19s are great. All of them. Like... Uh, the one that started the tradition with Brown Betty is great. This one's great. Uh, season four's one, I'm not going to spoil anything, is also very, very good. Uh, season five's one, which is actually episode nine, but they wanted to keep the tradition, and they said nine was close enough, even though uh, they didn't have a 19th episode. It was only a 13-episode order. Uh, but the season five one's very, very good as well. Uh, all the 19s. All the 19s are great. Anyway, uh, yeah. We got three episodes left in this season. From here on out, it's basically a race to the finish. Like, from here on out, it's like literally... There's not going to be a second to breathe in these last three episodes. This is going to be go, 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 go. It is beginning of the end territory. And I'm very much looking forward to talking about this, like, three-part finale arc. Because it's... It's spectacular. It really, really is. Season three might have the best ending out of any of the seasons. It's between, well, (laughs) just like the the contender for best season, it's between that and five. (laughs) Uh, It's it's something else, and I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, Anyway, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows, and you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's as simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Oh, and Letterbox as well. Forgot to mention that. Uh, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's the work for you, you can also support the show directly by Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 20. Talk to you then.